Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox and I'm the Compliance Evangelist. I'd like to welcome you to my January 2018 podcast series of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program. But first, a word about this month's sponsor, Conversant. Conversant brings a different kind of ethics and compliance solution to your organization. These days, business success demands something different, a corporate culture centered on integrity and ethical behavior. Conversant provides your teams with a centralized platform and automated processes that connect your business goals with your ethics and values. The result, a highly strategic program that drives ethics and values to the center of your business. Through the use of the Conversant Ethics Cloud platform, it gives you the choice of what you need according to your compliance program maturity. As your compliance program progresses on its ethical journey, Conversant can meet the needs of your requirements with unified ease of use and all of your ethics compliance data in one place, increasing transparency and efficiency while reducing cost. If you have been following me over the past year, you know that I have gone on a one-year exploration of various components of a best practices compliance program. However, during this exploration, there were two very important documents released by the Department of Justice relating to a best practices compliance program. In February 2017, there was the Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs document, and in November 2017, there was the announcement of the new FCPA Corporate Enforcement Policy. Therefore, in this month of January, I'm going to lay out for you what should go into your best practices compliance program based upon the 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program and these two documents. Over the next 31 days, I will be exploring the best way to more fully operationalize a compliance program using the most recent DOJ resources. I hope you will join me for the full 31 days as we engage in an exploration to a more effective compliance program. 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Day 14, Risk Assessments. One can really not say enough about risk assessments in the context of an anti-corruption compliance program. Since at least 1999 in the Metcalf and Eddy enforcement action, the Department of Justice has said that risk assessments, which measure the likelihood and severity of possible FCPA violations, and the manner in which you direct your compliance resources to manage these tasks is a critical component of any compliance program. The 2012 FCPA guidance stated it succinctly when it said, assessment of risk is fundamental to developing a strong compliance program and is another factor DOJ and SEC will evaluate when assessing a company's compliance program. This language was supplemented in 2017 in both the evaluation of corporate compliance programs and the new FCPA corporate enforcement policy. Under prong four of the evaluation, risk assessments where the following questions were raised. Risk management process. What was the methodology, what methodology has the company used to identify, analyze, and address a particular risk it faced? Next, under manifested risk, how is the company's risk assessment process accounted for manifested risks? In the FCPA corporate enforcement policy announced in November 2017, it stated, The effectiveness of a company's risk assessment and the manner in which the company's compliance program has been tailored based upon that risk assessment. The risk assessment determines the areas at greatest risk for FCPA violations among the international business transactions and operations. Uh, 
The business culture of each country in which these activities occur and the integrity and reputation of third parties engaged on behalf of the company. The simple reason is straightforward. One cannot define, plan for, or design an effective compliance program to prevent bribery and corruption unless you can measure the risk you face. So what should you assess? Back in 2011, the DOJ concluded three FCPA enforcement actions which specified factors a company should review in making a risk assessment. They were Alcatel-Lucent, Maxwell Technologies, and Tyson's Foods. They all had common areas that the Department of Justice listed in the deferred prosecution agreements of seven areas to be assessed, which are still relevant today. They are, number one, geography, where does your company do business? Two, interaction and types of levels of governments. Three, industrial sector of operations. Four, involvement with joint ventures. Five, <coughs> licenses and permits and operations. Six, degree of government oversight. Seven, volume and importance of goods and personnel going through customs and immigrations. All of these factors were reiterated in the 2012 FCPA guidance, which stated factors to consider, for instance, include the risk presented by the country and industry sector, the business opportunity, potential business partners, the level of involvement with governments, the amount of government regulation and oversight, the exposure to customs and immigration and conducting business affairs. These factors provide guidance into some of the key areas a DOJ believes can put a company in higher FCPA risk. These factors supplement those previously set forward. In the UK Bribery Act consultative guidance, it added some other factors, which I think are worth taking a look at. Internal risk, this would be your employee's knowledge of company's business profile and understanding of potential risk, employee training, and compensation. Country risk, obviously where you're doing business, and is there a perceived level of corruption in that country? Transaction risk. <clears throat> this could entail transactions such as charitable uh, donations or political contributions, obtaining of licenses and permits, public, public procurement, etc. And then four, partnership risk. <clears throat> this could include involving uh, those involving foreign business partners. David Lawler, in his most interesting book, Frequently Asked Questions in Anti-Bribery and Corruption, broke down the areas to evaluate into the following. Company risk, country risk, sector risk, transaction risk, and business partnership risk. Under country risk, he suggested you look at, <clears throat> this is relevant when assessing a number of different countries, companies rather, and high-risk companies involve some of the following characteristics. Private companies with a close shareholder group, large and diverse and complex groups with decentralized management structure, an autocratic top management, Previous history of compliance issues or poor marketplace perception. Under country risk, this involves countries which have a high reported level or perception of corruption, have failed to meet effective anti-corruption legislation, or failed to enact, I should say, and have a failure in transparency and procurement and investment. Under sector risk, I think the sectors are fairly well known. It could be extractive industries, oil and gas, large-scale infrastructure, telecoms, pharmaceuticals, financial services, Etc. <clears throat> Transaction risk. First and foremost, this risk identifies and analyzes the financial aspects of a payment or deal. So some indicia of transaction risk could be high reward projects. Are there many contractors or third-party intermediaries? <clears throat> or does there not appear to be a clear legitimate goal going forward? 
And then finally, under business partnership risk, this prong recognizes that certain manners of doing business present more corruption risk than others. It can include using third-party representatives with foreign government officials, a number of consortium or joint venture partners, and relationships with politically exposed persons. There are lots of different ways you can slice and dice this basic inquiry. As with almost all FCPA compliance, the important, <clears throat> important is that your protocol be well thought out. If you use some or all of the above, it will uh, as basic inquiries, it should be acceptable for your starting point. But how do you assess your risks? So how do you actually do this going forward? Mike Volkoff has differentiated between small companies, which might use some of the basic tools as interpersonal or telephone interviews, with larger companies that use basic techniques, but take a deep dive. So you really need to take a look at your company and who they're doing business with. And finally, from Ben Lockwin, in an article entitled Quality Risk Assessment and Management Strategies for Biopharmaceutical Companies, he noted, once we have assessed risk and determined a process that includes options to resolve and manage those risks whenever appropriate, then we can decide the level of resources from which, with which to prioritize them. There will always be a latent risk. Those that we understand are there, but we cannot chase forever. But we need to make sure we've classified them correctly. With a good understanding of each of these, we're in a much better position to speak about the quality of our businesses. So the risk assessment really is the foundation of your compliance program because you have to not only assess your risk and manage, measure your risk, but then you have to manage your risk going forward. So what are today's three key takeaways? Number one, since at least 1999, the DOJ has pointed to the risk assessment as the start of an effective compliance program. When was the last time you performed a full risk assessment for your organization? Two, the Department of Justice will now consider your risk assessment methodology for identifying risk and gathering evidence. And three, you should base your compliance program around your risk assessment. I hope you've enjoyed day 14 of 31 days to a more effective compliance program, and I hope you'll join me tomorrow for day 15 where we'll take up third-party risk management process. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program sponsored by Conversant. I hope you will join me tomorrow and indeed for the entire 31 days in January while I will be exploring the best way to more fully operationalize your compliance program using the most recent resources the Department of Justice has communicated to us, the evaluation of corporate compliance programs and the new FCPA corporate enforcement policy. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening. 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.